The Eating Disorders Anonymous speaker feed does not represent EDA as a whole, but rather shares the views, experiences, and resources used by the EDA member who is speaking in their individual journey towards recovery. Thanks for being here. We're glad to have you. I'm Brianna, and I'm speaking on step five, which says, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Um, so first I'm going to share why the fifth step mattered a lot for my recovery, and then I'll tell you more about my experience with the fifth step. Um, so the biggest thing I learned in EDA, I'd say so far probably, is that my eating disorder is my solution, not my problem. It's my solution to my problems. And so I'm in EDA to find a new solution so that I don't need my eating disorder anymore. And it's, uh, which is revolutionary for me because I've asked why my whole life. I've asked, most of my life that I've had this. So um, I've just asked why, why I do this, why this is an issue for me. And constantly asking why and never understanding it made me feel like an outsider. And I felt like I was the only one and there was something wrong with me. And that led to a lot of fear, fear that um, my eating disorder would reflect on my body because it didn't always. And fear that I would be discovered as like the useless person I believe myself to be and the unlovable person I believed myself to be because of it and fear that it wouldn't stop. So steps four and five have taught me that these things are the things that led me deeper into my eating disorder. It was fears like these that were part of the why, uh, of why I did this. And also I, I found, I learned that I needed a solution to my shame, isolation, and worthlessness. That's kind of, those are the things that were driving me to my eating disorder. And those things also created new life problems that I needed my eating disorder to cope with, like not being right-sized, which since joining EDA, I've learned that that, that humility means being right-sized. So, and the opposite of that is pride, where I'm either, you know, too big or too small, and which is also a self-obsession, also trying to get approval from other people. But when I don't feel good enough, when I feel worthless, then I will come up with ways in my head to make myself feel better than other people, or I'll sit and dwell on the worthlessness, but I'm never just, you know, even keel with other people, right-sized. Um, and so many more things too that kind of have come from all of these things that have become a cycle in my life and that I didn't even know I was in. <laughs> so yeah, and the fifth step freed me from a lot of this because I no longer had a fear of being discovered because I was putting it out there to somebody. And I, so the shame that was kind of breeding and growing in secrecy wasn't able to continue to breed because it was uncovered. Mm -hmm. And I was able to see in someone else's eyes that I wasn't worthless when I revealed these things that I always believed made me so worthless. So finally I wasn't alone which the next section title, and I do have section titles because I'm a perfectionist, which we'll get to that later. Uh, last time I shared, I had six pages of notes and now I'm down to four, so I feel like I'm like two pages less of a perfectionist now than I was back then. Anyway, so my section title though is Quit the Deadly Business of Being Alone. And that's what I think I would unofficially title to share also. Uh, it's a quote from the AA 12 on 12, um, page 108, and it's talking about step five. It says, we knew we would have to quit the deadly business of being alone in our conflicts and in honesty confide these to God and another human being. I would say my relationship to myself and my body is a conflict and it's in conflict and so I needed to bring people in on it. And I had a very insightful therapist 
who heard me talking about a lot of isolation and shame around my eating disorder. And actually, I think she probably wasn't that insightful. I think I wasn't hiding the shame as well as I thought. It was probably like leaking out of my pores and visible, and I didn't even know it. Uh, but thankfully, she did hear it. And so she referred me. She said I should join a 12-step group where I could hear people speaking about it. And uh, so I did. And hearing other people speak about my deepest secret was like just mind-blowing first of all but also very life-changing because I didn't think those people were worthless at all like they would speak and I felt like they were decent loving people that you know had value in the world which was a surprise to me because I thought this thing made like automatically equaled worthlessness (laughs) so uh you know hearing others was the beginning to the end of my shame isolation and narrative of worthlessness and then saying it to my sponsor in step five was a much deeper level of hearing in those areas healing sorry not hearing um my sponsor not only heard my defects when i read them in step five but also saw them in action because i struggled a lot in steps four and five not so much because of the pain people talk about in those but more because i was worried i wasn't doing it perfectly enough (laughs) so i was less worried about what was on the list and more worried about how i was doing the list and so again no surprise perfectionism is a big defect for me and I think I might have actually been using this distraction this of perfectionism like of doing it perfectly to kind of distract me from the real pain that I probably could have been experiencing in in four and five so I'm still scared to share on step five in case you hear how I did it so perfectly too so (laughs) push past it Uh, because now at least I know that that's not right thinking even though I still feel it a little bit Uh, so when I finally did step five I found a grace that I have never known I the I've just had these things on loop in my head for most of my life. So only I am there to see them, only I am there to respond, and I am responding with the shame and isolation and narrative of worthlessness that I've kind of coded myself in. And there's no one else in there to, to see it, to tell me that it was even happening, I didn't know it was happening, or to speak truth to it, or to show me what compassion could look like, or a different kind of response could look like. So for me, it was just normal. That's how I thought, like that's just the, was the, I said I didn't even know it was happening, and it was the only truth I knew. So I assumed that everybody else would see these things as truth also and see it the same way I did. So that's why I was scared to be discovered. And so uncovering it and then having a response of grace that I didn't even know was possible, like a totally different kind of response than I thought anybody could possibly have, was game changer for me. So, And then my sponsor also was an example of how to have compassion on myself too because I learned not only that I needed it, but I learned how to have it because I didn't know any other way to respond. So when somebody else responded differently, I was like, oh, that's new. Like that's, I never thought about thinking of it like that or seeing that response, you know, having that response. So kind of a new reply I'd never tried before. So just even seeing those examples of new ways to interpret situations that I kind of had the same loop and same responses to was just, that was helpful. Uh, For example, I had to do in step four my financial inventory and which is a pretty deep spot of shame in my family growing up I would say and I felt extra shame because I felt like I knew better and I felt like I'd had chances for different choices that I didn't make so I felt like I'd gotten myself into this mess and again the worthlessness imperfection all feeding into that I was also ignoring a lot of scary facts and part of step five says uh, that we admit to ourselves and I see why that's in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, putting on paper was really scary and saying it out loud was scarier, but um, I needed to admit it. And 
the shame in my mind said that the one truth was having these mistakes made me worthless. And I believe that the only true response to that, to my worthlessness, was like horror and, you know, rebuking me and all these things. And my sponsor just said, wow, that sounds really hard. And I was like, again, oh, that's a new way of thinking of it. I didn't know that could be a way to, to hear it. And uh, so very unexpected compassion. And she also heard some of the narratives that I had around my finances, like none of my dreams can ever come true. Uh, I will be unhappy and always forever because you know I'm struggling with finances at the moment. So the rest of my fifth step revealed uh, the character defects of black and white thinking mm -hmm. and catastrophic thinking. And the false beliefs of like what these financial issues mean was a whole lot more painful than the financial issues themselves. So. Uh, once again, step five showed me that just because I was imperfect in one area didn't mean I was worthless, and it didn't mean that my life was hopeless. So if I hadn't quit the deadly business of being alone in my thoughts, then I would have stayed in this pain from these made-up problems that I sought, sought solution for in my eating disorder. The unnecessary shame, isolation, worthlessness, black and white thinking, catastrophic thinking, narratives of hopelessness, all these things that I attached just to finances alone, let alone everything else in my life. But uh, instead, I brought someone into these dark parts of myself, and I uh, now that I can't know what those character defects are, I can actually turn them over. I didn't, I had, you know, one real problem, which is my finances, but then I had all these other problems that I'd made up about my finances that were not even problems. They were just in my head. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, now that I know what they are, I can get rid of them and turn them over and I have less things that I need to use my eating disorder over. Mm -hmm. Now I can just use my plan to fix my finances without all the fear and hopelessness, obsession, false narratives, making everything so much harder. Just building and building. Um, my sponsor helped me spot patterns in general too when I uh, revealed things in step five. So step five was actually a lot bigger for me than step four mm -hmm. because of the whole admitting to myself. <laughs> like I just had so many things that were hidden. And so doing it with someone who could kind of be like, oh wait, I think I see something there that I hadn't seen. Mm -hmm. That was incredibly powerful for me. Uh, I can't learn to live without these defects if I don't even know I'm living with them. So. Um, they play out really deceptively for me, very hard to recognize. So, and also now that my sponsor knows these, she can also like help me learn new patterns of identifying them. Because again, these are just the norms. Like I don't even see them happening. So my sponsor can be like, oh, oh wait, I think that might be that catastrophic thinking. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's what it looks like in this scenario. I kind of didn't know that's what that could look like, you know? So that's very helpful even now after the fifth step. Um, and, it's, uh, and again, I can't, if I don't know what my defects are, I can't turn them over. So it's hard to do the other steps when I don't even know what they are to turn over to a higher power. Mm -hmm. And it's also hard for me to do my amends because without step five, because I, a lot of my amends were the things I call thought crimes. So they're things that would, it would harm somebody to tell them. So my only choice is to like sit alone in it and not tell anyone and suffer or to tell my sponsor in step five. So step five kind of help. I mean, all in step five through eight or whatever you know what I mean <laughs> um, so and then the more I tell her in general uh, in step five and beyond uh, the more like I say out loud to her the more I'm able to spot my character defects and the lies and false narratives and the more I say out loud to her the more I hear new ways of interpreting my thoughts like hear actual truth and sometimes I even have that truth in my own head now even which usually used to come just from her mouth and now I'm starting to like hear it and think it sometimes so that's change 
And uh, these thoughts that I was alone in, it only had one way to view, like uh, just the isolated perspective, soaked in shame and worthlessness, like and now I'm able to see in a new way. So the compassion I hear from her starting, starting, starting to cut through a little bit <laughs> and through the needlessly harsh, destructive and demoralizing thoughts I have towards myself. So about food and body and all other areas, finances, so many, everything that I don't feel perfect in. Um, but if I hadn't quit the deadly business of being alone by being honest in step five and beyond, then these changes wouldn't be possible. So I do have some things I wish I had done differently in step five, not just because I'm a perfectionist, <laughs> but because my chain of sponsorship, sponsorship, I guess I'd say, started before the EDA Big Book was around. So a lot of my stuff that I was you know, that I did from other people's experience had to do with the AA information. So, um, but in preparing to speak on this, I read step five in the EDA big book and I found a lot of things I thought would have been helpful. So if I, yeah, I would definitely, so I wanted to kind of bring those up too and bring this, those into that. And one is that it says on the EDA big book page 166 through 167, it talks about doing an hour of quiet reflection after the fifth step. And one reason is to consider anything you may have left out and which I know can, I've heard lots of different people speak on this and what a big deal it is to leave things out, how that can really like eat at you. And those are the things that we want to leave out that often need to come out the most. So that's a big deal to sit and reflect, have, you know, have to sit with yourself after you do it and make sure you got it all out. And then it's also a time, this hour afterwards is a time to feel the emotions you went through. And then you end this time, this hour with a gratitude list. So page 167 says, we are at our most vulnerable when we are overwhelmed by emotions we haven't fully processed. Writing even a short gratitude list demonstrates that no matter what we are feeling, we can start to trust our growing internal strength and commitment to recovery. So I feel like that sounds like a big reason to do this hour afterwards. Um, and then part of the hour also is to recognize the good that we did in doing our fifth step. Page 167 says, we have demonstrated our sincerity and willingness to make enormous changes in our thinking and behavior in order to turn our former misery to some good purpose. We give ourselves credit for this and allow the feeling of accomplishment to sink in. Mm -hmm. So if any of you have been in this meeting for very long, you know that Annette does handstands and backflips trying to cheerlead people to do <laughs> their milestones. And I, I have heard her say, I think, if I'm paraphrasing, but that uh, many of us have trained our minds to only see the bad, only see the imperfections and the mistakes. So part of recovery is retraining ourselves to focus on the good also. And in part, in my 10th step, part of what I uh, had to do with my sponsor initially was write out the things that I did good each day also. And that was the most powerful part of the 10th step for me. So I um, think that doing this hour afterwards and a gratitude list is important to recognize the good work we did and to realize we did it good enough, not perfect, but good enough, <laughs> and to recognize a huge accomplishment and milestone that we did in recovery. So I think doing just this acknowledgement could really increase the recovery found through the fifth step um, just all by itself, since many of us aren't even used to seeing that kind of thing. It's kind of a new way to start thinking. And I didn't start really thinking that way till step 10. So if you can start thinking that way in step five, that sounds much better to me. <laughs> That's probably good. Um, so if you've done a fifth step, and including myself, I think I'm gonna take a moment tonight to recognize and celebrate the step that I took towards my recovery. Mm -hmm. And even if it was a long time ago, still happened. So to recognize that. And then if you haven't done a fifth step, I encourage you to look forward to the day that you get to celebrate and claim this milestone of recovery. 
rather than just seeing it as a day to dread because I feel like that's kind of the attitude that comes across in a lot of these shares but it's a good thing and it's something to be excited about getting to mm -hmm. so thank you and with that I'll pass